All right. Let's get this started. We uh, what a tremendous passage that is for sure. If you want to exalt Christ, talk about Him in this manner. Colossians chapter one. Uh, talk about the supremacy of Christ, preeminence of Christ. It's right here. This is where it's at. It's all through Scripture. You see the preeminence of Christ, but this is up front, cannot be missed. And uh, as we talked about it last week, uh, first we started in verse 15 of chapter 1. This section is 15 through 17, and uh, we're calling this the preeminent one, part 2, because we just did verse, what, 15 last week? It said he is the image, which is the icon, or really the exact representation. It it is the one that is uh, showing that he uh, he is God. He's the very image of God, the pattern of God, the likeness of God, the very exact copy of God. He's the essence of God. So that's the idea of image. Then we said that God is invisible. He is not a God that is bound by flesh and blood and bones. Uh, So He's the very image of that God that we think of that's the one true God. Of course, there's the triune God that's involved, but Christ being the second person. Then it says He's the firstborn. And we looked at that. That prototokos means He is the highest in honor. Uh, first rank, first in position. And we spent a little bit of time on that last week. It almost seems uh, hard to uh, grasp in a sense because we keep thinking of a, a number, you know, firstborn. Uh, can mean that, but there's a better word for it. In this sense, and in the text, the whole context is that he is above all, he's the prime heir, he has the rights of inheritance. And uh, so we, we uh, spent time on that. He's the firstborn, the preeminent of all creation is the idea. So that was verse 15. He uh, is, is the creator of all things as we look at that tonight, uh, starting in verse 16. It follows up with that, this image of God, he, he being God. And as we proceed uh, in further verses, we'll see that He is proclaimed to be God there. And uh, so the Supreme Creator is where we'll be looking at in verse 16 and maybe 17 tonight, uh, dealing with uh, Him being the sustainer of the creation. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this evening that we have. Thank You for the days that You give us, the time that we have here on earth. Really, it's a short while and uh, it's time to honor you, glorify you, and as we look at this tonight, we give you glory because we proclaim your character and proclaim who you really are. What a great God. Help us have understanding in such a text as this. In your Son's name, Amen. We'll go to 16, and it says, For by Him... All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Well, that's packed. That's one verse. 17. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together far as we'll go tonight. He's the creator of creation. Since Christ created everything, He Himself is uncreated. Of course, you know the whole triune God created, right? But Christ is the creator. Holy Spirit was moving, what? The the waters, brooding over Him. He was creating. Father was creating. So the triune God was all involved in this. Uh, Christ was not created. 
God cannot be created. He has to be eternal always. So why is Christ given such an esteemed honor and position? Well, He's the Creator. So He's the Creator. Uh, he's the agent of uh, creation ex nihilo. Does everybody know what ex nihilo means? Ex means out, like exit. Nihilo means nil, or nothing. Right? Uh, he created physical things out of nothing. That is the answer to the world's evolution. Because they had to have a, a creation too out of nothing. Right? But why wouldn't it be better to understand that a person did that rather than an accident that happened. There's no meaning, no purpose in that sense. So no creation took place without him is the idea. Uh, hey, look at John 1 verse 3 where it proclaims the deity of Christ. And right off the bat in that first chapter, John does the whole book proclaiming the deity of Christ. Verse 3 says, All things came in to being through Him. Now, who is this? Well, this is the Word, as it says in verse 1. The Word was with God. The Word was God. This is, of course, Christ. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So that's pretty well uh, a proclamation of the deity of Christ right there, isn't it? And then John just proceeds to keep going through chapter 1, showing the uh, deity of Christ, and then it just builds from there. The whole book of John is about Christ being God. Go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, and this is again about the Son of God. It's about Christ. 1 verse 2 says, Verse 1, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways. So whenever God spoke in the Old Testament, He did it a lot of different ways, didn't He? Various ways, multifaceted. Spoke through prophets. Of course, He spoke through dreams and visions. It says in verse 2, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He did what? He made the world. Creator. He is God. Only God can create. All things. It includes things, everything, in heaven and on earth, out in space. Of course, that is the heavens. There's three heavens Paul talks about. But uh, the invisible, he made all things. I think it's pretty fantastic. This, uh, this is one who became a child into the world that he created and knowing that He's God who made everything. You know, the house that He lived in, He created the wood or the stones, usually what the, it's what they made to make the houses. And I think that's pretty fantastic is here He is, heaven and earth, visible, invisible. That's pretty high praise to God. It's pretty high praise to Christ, isn't it? I mean, how could you elevate Him more? He's the maker of all this. Um, then He says, yeah, both on uh, heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether you see it, whether you don't, there is an invisible world out there, isn't it? If you think of, you know, the atomic world. might get into that in a few moments. Uh... There's things so small we can't see. And there's things so big that it's hard to imagine. But 
Then he says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. What do you think he's talking about there? Start with all the, the rulers here. Definitely he's over them. And expand it out. All the angels. Or even demons. Who are angels. They're bad so, we got four classes of powers here. Thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. He's totally over them if you talk about the angelic realm. Go to Ephesians uh, 1.21. Speaking about, guess who? Christ. Who is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. And it says in verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Highly exalted. There's nobody over Him. He is over all. Think about some of the ones who would have the most power. Most powerful angels for that matter. No contest. 1 Peter 3.22 speaks of the same kind of thing. He's at the right hand of God having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to Him. It's saying something. There's nothing that can touch His power. It's over all. Christ is Creator over all. Creator of all. Even the highest of beings that we can imagine. He created even the tiniest creatures. Creatures you can't even see. There's something like 800,000 cataloged insects with billions and some of the species all created by Christ. He created those. You usually don't think about that. Got a little problem with that, don't you? you That's right. He had a reason. He had a reason. He created those. Um, We talked about earlier in Colossians about knowledge and wisdom and understanding in verse 9 so that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, God's understanding, God's wisdom, right? That's a great prayer. You guys been praying for others on that? Keep praying for people in the body of Christ that they would continue to be filled with this. Now, you're talking about a wise God. Think about all the things that He makes has made, I mean, um, when we look just at creation, things in this world, and we think about it, we get uh, quite a glimpse of how His knowledge and His wisdom is, don't we? Because what kind of thought goes into that in some of the animals, creatures that He's made? Very incredible. And you think about the sun and its diameter. How, how big is it? What is it? Uh, about 864,000 miles. It can hold 1.3 million planets in it. That, uh, was it Betelgeuse? That huge star. 100 billion miles is how big that is. It's uh, larger than... Uh, what Earth's orbit is around the sun. That one star, um, Milky Way, has hundreds of, I guess you could say millions. Here's where you can use billions. Yeah, right. Here's where astronomical numbers come out now. Um, hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way. So, And even astronomers who are not believers say that there are billions 
of galaxies. This is all created by God, created by Christ. Billions of galaxies. What's the Milky Way? Milky Way is a galaxy. We're in a galaxy that's huge. And there's billions of them? Staggering. Number They say the number of stars that are out there actually would equal or actually have, uh, uh, I guess, the same kind of number of the grains of sand on all the beaches of the world. Now go to one beach in one little area where you sit. Try counting the sand. <laughs> you can't imagine it, can you? Look like I shoot and took them away. That's right. How many of uh, ever seen the Louis Giglio videos? Louis Giglio. You have not seen it? Have you seen it, Tony? Louis Giglio videos. I know probably everybody else has, right? Are you familiar? We've we've done them before, or I know Frida has. Uh, you have met your house. I think you've shown them there too. You know, Johnny. How many times Huh? Yeah, definitely. Matter of fact, it would have been good just to have that going tonight. Maybe, maybe I'll do it next time. Just a little glimpse of it. It's incredible. Hey, why not? It, you can't see enough of that. It's not the same guy. But what he does. You may not have seen it. Or you might have seen it somewhere on YouTube or something like that in passing, but incredible I mean he just he takes us further and further and further out and some of the pictures that um, yeah actually our science today with the cameras uh, you're talking how many millions of miles do they go out there and transfer that back to us just uh, just amazing itself that we're able to get those pictures but uh, it's mind-blowing it's staggering and all you can say is <laughs> this is God. That's what you thought was wow. This is no like him because he just so excited he can't stand still either. He's talking on stage. He's a uh, uh, he had that one uh, fruitcake. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I have. Oh, so yeah, yeah, you did that. Your four series fruitcake. Yeah, he had those. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. came like after. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, have you seen those? I have. Okay. I have seen those were actually have. Uh, I think I have a screw cable on. I don't know why that's the one that sticks out to me. But that's the one that sticks out. I, I have to. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. 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 That one surprised me. I thought it was going to be a recipe about fruitcake, huh? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it before, Audrey? I haven't seen it. You've never ever seen it? Okay. Good. You know, I don't have them anymore. I'll bring mine in. We'll just get a player and put them on the screen. It, I'll tell you, it, uh, it reminds me of Johnny used to just go outside, be standing out there with him. It was just staggering. Every time you go out there and just, just look. And then he had a telescope, right? And I don't know how much he used that, you know. But he just liked to see. And, you know, it was always, you know, you know, how can anybody ever believe anything different than God created this? You know, and oh, he was always speaking about God's great wisdom and understanding of that. So uh, that's, that's what I say. He was, he was awed. 
by God's great creation. Just standing out there, nobody around or anything sometimes, and just, uh, just thinking things of, of God. That's why God's creation gives you a chance to praise Him, doesn't it? So, you know, it, it really gives testimony to the intelligence of God. I mean, that's just a little bit that we're understanding. And it, it is so far beyond our imagination. It just takes you up. And you feel how small, how little you are. Not even like a grain of sand. So small to that world. So we have to turn to Psalm 19, 1 through 4. Psalm 19. Verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. The heavens are telling. And their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. What we're saying is you look at the stars, if you look at anything out there in the universe, it's pouring forth speech. It's not language, but it is actually speaking to us that this is a great, powerful, wise God. So day to day, night to night. It says in verse 3, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them He has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of His chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run His course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. What? Billions of miles? There's nothing hidden from its heat. Now that is revelation by creation. There's two ways that God reveals Himself. One is through creation. It just shouts out just by looking at it. And then from seven through 14 is he reveals himself through the Word of God. Specifically. That's even better. So you can see what his hands have done. Romans 1 talks about his power. That power should be seen even by unbelievers. So those who reject a Creator they give evidence of a mind that is darkened. Foolish minds are darkened, as Romans 1 says. How can they not see it? Well, they're blinded. That's why. They're blinded by Satan. That's the story on that. Okay, uh, right at the end of 16. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Two parts there. Well, actually three. In By Him, through Him, for Him. The universe was created for whose sake? His sake. For His purpose. And our man kind of thinking society even in the church there is anthropocentric ideas that this is for us it's all about me they think the world was made for them that's why when you say that God made it for His glory, they cannot understand that. That seems so arrogant to them instead of the other way. How arrogant it is to think that it was made for you. Yeah. Doesn't it, when you say, like, in the next of the verse, it says that all creation shouts out for the glory, right? Yes. And that's like, yes. It's like, it's 
not shouting out for me. He gets done with you, he puts you in the dirt. Proclaiming his glory. Um, we always want to make much of Christ. Make much of him. What a way to do it. Yeah, just what he uh, what he's made. That is Yeah, it's the same as last week. Do you have yours? I didn't say anything about that. I've got one here. Somebody got it. it's no it's doing no good here. Who wants it? Well, ago I said anthropocentric. Anthro is what, when, what's an anthropology? Study of man, right? So an anthropocentric kind of idea is man-centered. And yes, in the church today, that's the problem. It's a man-centered gospel. But when you think of God and how great He is, and you start erasing yourself, you start on, taking on a theocentric theology. Uh, what's theos? Theo means God, right? God-centered theology. That's what we say a lot, like even in, I think on our website, it's dealing with... Uh, God-centered, Christ-centered. It's all about Him. I like to call it a high view of God. We continue to make it higher and higher in our thoughts as we begin to know Him. It's all about Him, isn't it? We were made for Him, for His purpose, for His will, for His glory. It's all for His glory. So, when it says, by Him, in verse 16, the very first part, for by Him all things were created by Him. That's the plan. He planned it. Now it says, all things have been created through Him. Through Him would be His power. It's through Christ. What kind of power does He have? Just look at it. Look at what he's done. He produced it. So he planned it, and he produced it. And it's for him. And that would be dealing with his purpose. So you have his plan, you have his power, and you have his purpose there. By him, through him, for him. He did it for his own pleasure. That's why he did it. For his own pleasure. Uh... God's creation today is under a bondage to sin, but yet it can still be used for God's glory. It's tainted, isn't it? Because That's mankind man's is tainted. Sin. Yes. Because of man's man sin. did that. Grass didn't do anything wrong that we know of. I guess. Yeah. Those nasty little bugs. I thought they were nice ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Animals. Yes. Yeah. Lions gonna lay down the land, right? but not man. That's right. Audrey, let, let's go to uh, Romans 8, starting at verse 19. Uh, verse eight, 18 would be good. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time, that means now, that we live in, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That means that's in the future tense. He is revealing His glory now, but there is a future glory. So here we go. For the anxious longing of the creation waits 
eagerly, like outstretched arms, for the revealing of the sons of God. What's that? To reveal it. That's the glorification of God's children. So that's why so all of creation is eagerly waiting for that. That's why they're so, so mad at us. That's why well, what happens to the creation whenever man is glorified? Creation will be glorified. That's why it's attacking There will be a new earth. There will be a new heavens and earth, right? So verse 20, for the creation was subjected, here we go, Audrey, to futility. Not willingly. <laughs> he didn't do it. But because of Him who subjected it, Christ subjected all creation was because of our sin in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Can you imagine what the universe, everything created by God will look like to us whenever it's glorified in its ultimate... It looks pretty glorified now, doesn't it? Can you imagine without being tainted by sin and recreation? For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. We, we experience that. We see that all the time, don't we? So we see like floods we've had hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, all the damage done to creation. Just go on and on with it. Groans, the suffering. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves. Oh, Oh, wake up in the morning. Oh, aches and pains. Just that. Just that. How about the spiritual aspect? Just yeah, that too. Oh. Waiting eagerly. Is that us? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Right? We say that all the time. For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. You've already been redeemed spiritually. Spiritually, you've been redeemed. You've been bought. But our bodies, that's the problem. We live in a prison. Because of that, we, that's why we have all this suffering of this present time, which is not worthy to be compared to the glory of God and what we're going to be into but we will have our bodies redeemed. Verse 24, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Whenever we see this and this glory that happens, it's not really hope anymore, is it? Because it's there. For who hopes for what he already sees? But now we hope, don't we? For if we hope for what we do not see, right? We live by faith and not by sight. We have this hope fixed on what we can't see but we know to be true. With perseverance in this life, so making sense? It's too clear, isn't it? We wait eagerly for it. Remember all of creation waits eagerly? That's what we're doing. And that's the difference between a believer and a non-believer. Because non-believers are scared to death of the eye. They will when they creak. I don't know what they do. I guess they're glad they're here a little longer. <laughs> but as a believer, you know this is your time. It's your, you know that your body's wearing down. Your time's getting shorter and shorter. And you're, you're glad with that because you know now who's going to be released from this capsule that you know they're stuck in. That's not good. What do non believers do when they creep in the Yeah, they're still trying to figure out how to regenerate themselves and get back here again. Yeah. Yeah. They're still trying to figure out how to get to the Lord. Well, that's what they're working at. They're going to do it, right? The people that are believers, they have no hope. They can do it. They can do it.
They're still trying to get something here, but they're open to walk their own way. I do wonder. Yeah. Somebody said, why do, why do people want to stay here? Because they ain't got nothing. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, we have something to look for. And, you know, I think of the, the, the loved ones that we, we've had in, in our just little fellowship here. I think of Carl. I want to see him. You know. And it's like, wow. And then we, we have to think of Johnny. And then, of course, Cindy. I wonder what those guys are They're probably, you know, they probably don't care about what we're doing. They're so <laughs> immensely, you know, in to who God and Christ is that you know they're perf- they're they're perfect spirits. They can't sin anymore. Yeah, it's it's like when you were. It's probably something like when you were a kid. When you get to heaven, it's not like you're going to lose your identity. You're going to be that same person, only in a much, much better way. Glorified. Perfect. Not held in any kind of bondage. But our memories are going to be amazing. But you know what? I think God will be so gracious to us that we're not going to have to remember the things, a lot of the things that we've had to go through in this life and all that, and, and we'll be carrying that the rest of our lives. And even if we could, it won't matter because we'll be glorified and we wouldn't carry it as sin. But it's like when you're... Can you remember? If you were remembering everybody down here and what we have to go through. Oh, it'd be sad. It'd be grieving. Oh, I don't even want them to think about us. I just want them to... Oh, right. they're in heaven, man. That's right. No. But to me, in some way, it is so because you give God that much glory because you you have a you know what what we so concern ourselves with so much of the time, and it's because we forget who He is, and He continues to answer those very things that we let wear on us. It's like this. in some ways, it's like you're going to see that glory of Him that much more. It's like when yeah, we'll definitely never forget the cross. It'll always be for us, and we'll know that we were taken from our sin. Right. By the way, you know, I keep thinking of the Millennial Kingdom. It, it is so hard for us to try to identify. There would be glorified people, Christians like us, amongst people who are. Then are going to be believers that go into the kingdom and we're going to be ruling and reigning at that time and we'll be living amongst people who are like us right now. And you know what? We will see sin happen like God sees sin, but yet at the same time, in our glorification, it won't be that, you know, of course we can't sin, but it will always ever be on our mind. Here's what sin has done even amongst people who are believing but they're not glorified yet uh, so we'll have a time at, at, at that time there will be the final eternal state even after that but it, that will not be a negative sense because believe me Christ will stomp out sin he will rule with a rod of iron and that's what He will put us into as rulership also. People won't want to sin in front of other people or especially glorified people. We'll be ruling. And as soon as it happens, I mean, if we can't get the job done, Christ will certainly put His rod down. But believe me, with, with the abilities that He gives us in a glorified situation, we can never make a mistake. It will always be right. And uh, so I think of that time period too, but I think of the eternal state even more so, where everything is turned over. But we'll always be learning. But, you know, as far as a mind, our intelligence will be so incredible, not tainted by sin whatsoever. But can you, can you remember very many things when you were like five, six years old? This is just a thought. 
but you probably remember a thing or two, you know, going to school for the first day or maybe, you know, some of those things. But they're real faint. They're not ever before, you know, way up there in your thoughts always. But, you know, it's good to have that memory, you know, whether it be your parents or brothers or sisters. And somebody goes, would you quit bringing up that kind of stuff? I don't want to think about it, you know. But some of those are fine, fond memories that we have. You know, we kind of hang on, but we don't remember them too good, do we? You know, we might remember what house we lived in. Not a lot after. I think that's basically the way it's going to be. I don't think we're going to remember every sin that we're involved with. We'll know that He took us from sin. And that's not going to be on our minds. It's where we're going to be at there in the presence of God and all of His grand new creation. So, just some thoughts there. I don't know how accurate those are. I tend to think that way. Um, What holds molecules together? What holds a nucleus together? Why doesn't it fly apart? Scientists have never been able to come up with that answer unless they're Christians. Because there is no reason for atoms to, to be able to sustain themselves. Why don't all atoms just fly apart? They're held together. It says in verse 17, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Atomic nuclei. Quite an ins- incredible discovery. What, uh, maybe close to 100 years ago? Somewhere in that vicinity. Incredible power force uh, that held protons together with the, within the nucleus. Nobody knows how that works. One physicist said this, the fact that we live in a world in which practically every object is a potential nuclear explosive because every object is made of what? Molecules. Potential nuclear explosive. Your chairs should be exploding. They shouldn't even be here, right? And they get them together. Without being blown to bits, is due to the extreme difficulties that attend the starting of a nuclear reaction, he says. Another said, you grasp what this implies? It implies that all the mass of nuclei have no right to be alive at all. Indeed, they should never have been created, and if created, they should have blown up instantly. Yet here they all are. Some inflexible inhibition is holding them relentlessly together. What's that relentless, inflexible inhibition there, right? The nature of the inhibition is also a secret, one thus far reserved by nature for herself. As the scientists wondered about this, they all wondered, they have no clue doesn't make sense. God holds all this together. It's amazing. So that's what He does. He holds this whole creation. He sustains it. He not only created it, but He sustains it. If God was like a uh, the deist God that a lot of people like to believe in and not being sovereign, not being a sustainer, what he did was wind up the watch and then let it go. He got it started. Now, whatever it does, it's going to do. Right? <laughs> it would blow apart, wouldn't it? There wouldn't have been anything left. That's right. That's right. 
there is uh, for the next I don't know how long it'll be but uh, on Grace to You John MacArthur is now doing Genesis chapter 1 he's talking about a lot of things we're talking about here creation and, and such and uh, of course it's amazing how many Christians today actually take in the billions and millions and whatever years of evolution and combine it with God creating but yet it evolving into what it does. It wasn't like instantly made. He didn't create man just like that. So he uses those billions of years to bring this forth. Now we're talking about some very well respected institutions, churches, denominations who have taught that. Who are still teaching it. They believe it. They absolutely believe it. And then the next thing I have to ask, if you... What's that? They believe the scientists, even though the scientists don't have proof. Right. Right. They have no proof whatsoever. But yet they feel that they would be not intelligent if they didn't take these scientific discoveries, which are not really scientific at all. There is no proof. And so therefore, yeah, I take it very literally. Because if I can't believe Genesis 1, I can't believe any part of the rest of the Bible. Why would I? If I can't believe that, that God is such a God that can create what He wants to create and speak it, and there it exists. But they want to go along with, yeah, but we've discovered all this. And so they they don't want to look like a buffoon in front of the intelligent world. Quote, intelligent. right so here's what we have that we've gotten so far to through verse 17 the one who is at first in rank which means the preeminent one he is the very point of reference right he is at the center of all of this he is the goal of all of this the sustainer the governor of all creation. He's the head. He's the life of all creation. The beginning. He's first in rank. He is supreme. There is none like Him. He's in absolute control of this universe all the way down to His creatures, all the way down to mankind. This should give us what I say is the greatest comfort and enjoyment in this one who's preeminent. He holds us in his hands, doesn't he? So what he made for his glory and for his joy and his good pleasure when we're in him, yeah, now it is for us too because we are co-heirs with Christ. So in Christ, yes, this is ours. We're not the creator of it, but it's for His glory, but it's for His joy that we share it with Him. The inheritance. We are co-heirs. And that's what Romans 8 brings forth. You know, when we were in Romans 8 earlier, just before that, it was talking about we are co-heirs inheriting everything that is Christ. Boy, I tell you what, I think we can be mightily encouraged in these kind of truths, can't we? This is truth. Everything else out there that doesn't agree with that is all a big lie about the creation, about Christ being the Creator, about the preeminent One. He owns all of creation because He made it. And He made us. Guess what? He owns us. And either we love that or we hate it. Most people hate the fact that their life can be run by God. They hate that. Whether they know it or not, He still owns them. That's exactly right. They can't get away from that, can they? That's a powerful text, isn't it? 
just a few verses. It's just so pregnant with just amazing thoughts. It makes you wonder. And that's the idea that will get us wondering, right? To have great awe and wonder. And when you do that, you're having a high view of God. It's not about us, is it? But eventually, it is, actually. In Christ. That's what's so good about it. He's taking care of us. And man's wisdom, that can happen. Because right. if you have a big company and you are the leader, the big head of that big company, you you don't pay any attention to the little people. Right. You let other people take care of the little right. people because the little people don't That's count. Right. That's so right. how does this great God that created universe, the universe, cares about each well, little how does that work? Our mind cannot fathom that. All we can do is say, I believe it. That's why that Louis Giglio, he did that humongous oh. universe thing and then he did that little tiniest yeah. molecule yeah. thing. Blew my mind. Yeah. He takes you so far out and then you see how small yeah. we really are. And he cares about us. Well, Who are we? One, he was talking about our little molecules and our little uh, DNA and our little, all, all, little tiny things. How we are, we are because of what we're made of, because he designed that for us to What a thought. What a thought. You know what? Let's close out on a prayer. That's exactly what that is. When you, whenever you said that, it got me to thinking. Oh yes, that's Psalm eight. Well, start with verse one, and here's our prayer to God. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Here we go. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? And the Son of Man, that you care for Him. Yet you made Him a little lower than God, and you crown Him with glory and majesty. You make Him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet, sheep, oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the heavens, and fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name, and all the earth. Amen. Wow. That makes you want to shout, doesn't it? Yeah. Really. We need to finish with a song.